Jordan, what? What is a woman? <laughs> okay. Well, hold on a second here. Part part of me wants to say, you know, I'm not a credentialed PhD biologist or anything, and so I'd rather not comment. But that's only the part of me that has been watching the news and wants to make a joke about the Supreme Court justice hearing. What's her name? Jackson? That Michael Jackson's sister? Um, <laughs> I don't even remember what it can, can Jenny Brown something? I, is it Brown? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess we got to look it up. Okay. Uh, s- let's see, Google. Supreme Court nominee. Katanji Brown Jackson. So there is a Brown and a Jackson. All right. And she's is def- Brown her middle name or her hyphenated last name? I don't know. I think it's hyphenated. I I saw a funny um, meme political cartoon that had. It was on Infowars. They had. Uh, let's see if they still got it. They had a photo of Kavanaugh. And the woman that accused him, and it said, believe women. And then it had uh, uh, Justice Barrett, who was recently confirmed. And it said, she was holding up that blank piece of paper that they had accused her of reading from notes. It says, believe all women, believe some women. And then has Jackson here scratching her head saying, what's a woman? Because she famously has declined to define what a woman is. And she says she's not a biologist, right? Yeah, I can't answer that. I'm not a biologist. Well, let me define it for you. A woman is um, a human being, an individual like you or me, except she's different. She has the female genitalia. She has uh, more, I guess we all have mammary glands, right? But she has breasts and she has a vagina, and uh, she also has different chromosomal makeup, right? I don't know. What you said was very hateful. <laughs> I don't understand any of it because I'm not a biologist either, but it sounded very hateful and bigoted. Biological females, according to the National Human Genome Research Institute, biological females have two X chromosomes, while those who are biologically male have one X and one Y. I think it's, uh, a lot of people are criticizing. That's the uh, biological, that's the definition. A lot of people are criticizing. That we learned in middle school. The person who asked the question. Who Uh, asked the question, Ted Cruz? No, I I don't think it was Ted Cruz. It might have been. I thought it was another woman that asked it. But I think it's important because um, that simple question has become kind of a signal of uh, somebody who, you know, whether or not somebody suffers from a mind virus. 
Because it's a simple, it's a simple question with a very simple answer. I can answer it in three words: adult, human, female. That's what a woman is. Yeah, adult, human, female. So I went way too far. Well, you were explaining, you know, what the, adult the, human the female components is. of female, but an adult human female, and what this hey, so, the Greeks like, like to talk about things in terms of what they are not, and I'll tell you what a woman is not. A woman is not a a guy who has a penis. Okay. Oh. <laughs> She takes care of herself. <laughs> She's ahead of her time. Keep going. Oh. <clears throat> it's too early in the morning to sing. No Billy Joel. <laughs> it's usually too early of any time of the day for me to sing. But, but right, it's, it, there's a mind virus going around that is denying gender it's denying reality denying science it's interesting that she said she's not a biologist because she i think she unknowingly undermined the entire argument about transgenderism uh, in two ways one she says i'm not a biologist which means that gender is rooted in biology which makes it a scientific either or that's not the way she thinks about it but also she completely declawed this rally cry that trans women are women. Well, what's a woman? I don't know. Well, then how can they be one if you don't know what they are? And the whole thing is so absurd. And it's been really big in the news here in Utah, in the great state of Utah recently, because Spencer Cox vetoed a bill that would prevent transgender boys or sorry, sorry, it would. Pre- don't be sorry, but this—they've screwed us up. This is why. The, this is why it is a mind virus because, <laughs> because the bill. We need to talk in these terms, right? Okay, right. we have to if talk it, in truth. You can't let them change the words. That's the Orwellian um, caper that is going on right now. Is that they're they're actually having effect corrupting our language? It's the brother of Jared scenario. Literally, it's th- this isn't us sounding the alarm that it's starting to happen. This is us and others and all of us recognizing that it already has happened because we're to the point where they now have Bobby Flood stumbling over whether or not the bill, (laughs) what the bill intended and what the bill intended was that it was not going to allow boys to participate in girls' sports. Right. That's it. Period. End of story. Full stop. And the bill was vetoed. Again, this is the second time Spencer Cox has vetoed such a bill. But then the Utah legislature uh, overrode the veto with a two-thirds majority, and so they, the bill will go into effect, I think, later this year. And, of course, um, Republicans and Democrats and all the statists and the people suffering from this mind virus are criticizing the state as backward and hateful, and they're claiming it's, sig- sig- you know, it's singling out one single trans athlete in the state. And it's all just nonsense. Um, but a lot of people are losing their mind over this. And so asking a Supreme Court justice that question is important because it's kind of the, it's sort of a canary in a coal mine question of our times. Like, wh- where's your head at? It's kind of like if I ever need to go to a doctor uh, for something, you know, for some treatment of some kind, I'm going to ask that doctor are you, did you support lockdowns? Did you support masks and vaccines? And if they did, I don't want anything to do with that doctor. I don't want that doctor treating me because that doctor is susceptible to, uh, to 
political and medical pressure and censorship and who knows what else. It's like, I don't... <laughs> this, ter- this term is already taken, but I guess we could call it poli-sci, political science. <laughs> well, it, it's, <laughs> They've redefined what political science is. It's like political science traditionally meant like you study politics. politics. Now it's become political science. So you don't believe the science, you believe the political science. Right. Right, you believe you you believe that science is determined that and really not just science but truth, truth itself is determined by political expediency, and basically the flavor of the month, cause du jour. That's month and day. I use the flavor of the month, cause of the day, is what I said. Yeah, that's what it means in French. Yeah, can you have a flavor of the month, cause of the day? You're the man, Bobby. <laughs> You're Mr. Flood. You're running the show. Well, what the words that come out of your mouth, sometimes you have full control over. There are words that come out of my mouth. That's about as best as we can say about this show. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody uh, in church yesterday, we, we broke into little groups, you know, like a oh, group. I thought you were going to say you spontaneously broke into song. Well, no, <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, that's what they did in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> the Book of Mormon musical. Oh. And, uh, Which someone, is not historically accurate. Keep going. Someone, someone, asked, someone in the little group said, well, what's your, you know, what's your opinion? And I jokingly said, ah, oh, my opinion is locked behind a Patreon account. I'd, I'd love your support and you can, you can uh, support me and learn more about what I think about this issue. <laughs> uh, they didn't seem to get the joke, but <laughs> so Was thanks. an older person asking you? <laughs> thanks for listening today. If you'd like to continue this podcast, please find us on Patreon. Please deposit 25 cents <laughs> into the uh, coin actuated receptacle on your right. Or you can Venmo us. Maybe we should get a Venmo and start grifting. <clears throat> Sorry, did I say grifting? We'll just say we'll say stuff on the podcast. You can get us to say something like your favorite catchphrase. Catchphrase. <laughs> uh, anyway, we, we lost our train of thought talking about our trains of thought. But, but the, there's definitely something. There's crazy. It's there's crazy in the water. People are acting crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're just sort of starting off the podcast today. By the way, it is uh, 3 28, 2022. That would be March 28th in the year 2022. And you can find us on the web at mindvirus.show. Feel free to comment. I know a lot of you are holding back. Feel free to say whatever you want to us on the website. We do try to post the sources and other information about the podcast, the the topic of the day, or whatever the topics of the day on the podcast page. Love to get your feedback. But uh, yeah, we were uh, Bobby and I before we just spontaneously decided to launch in. We're talking about what we should talk about and. then we decided to just talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast today. So the first thing that came up, of course, is what is a woman? That is, I think that was prescient on your part because that is the, perhaps the biggest WTF moment of the last week 
that they're 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 the the media is giving um the entire country a pass anybody anybody on the statist side of this the the mind raped side of this they're giving them a pass on whether they have to define what a woman is this is a this is in a lot of ways one of the most monumental focal points in our in our history now I was talking to some friends last night about what's going on, and, and I've said this before on the podcast. I call it the carpet bombing of the American mind because, and and this the fact that this they're getting away with this idea that this woman doesn't even have to define what a woman is. She can get away with not, she can get away with 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 saying that I'm not a biologist. I don't have to define what a woman is when she is on the highest court of the land and has to make legal decisions based on such common law, common customs, okay? Because remember, our law is based in custom. And so if we, have, uh, if we have a custom that women traditionally are defined in a certain way, and then that changes, it upends the entire legal structure entirely. It entirely upends the legal structure entirely. If, if you have ever had the um, misfortune of having to go through a big legal contract, take a look at it. It starts with sort of a title and a preamble, kind of like the Constitution. That's why the Constitution or the compact theory about the Constitution is not actually a theory. It's actually a reality. The Constitution is a compact or a contract between nation states. And it starts with a title, then then a preamble. And the preamble itself or the uh, introductory clause is not really part of the law or the contract. It's just explanatory. And because um, a lot of people, I bring that up because a lot of people make a lot to, out of the preamble to the Constitution, which is, <laughs> that's, that's something we could dissect. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, do dot, 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 dot. That, that, that part where it says, where it explains what we're doing, uh, it gets wildly misunderstood because, well, maybe I'll get into that in a minute, but let me finish the thought. The point is a contract has an explanatory introduction, which is not part of the contract and gets into almost immediately definitions. Now the, the United States constitution does not, it relies on common law or cultural norms, custom, to provide for what, that, what those definitions are. And maybe that's one of the reasons we're in trouble is because they didn't put definition, definitions in there. But if you go into a, any sort of a uh, negotiation situation where you're agreeing on a contract with somebody, go look at it. You're going to have definitions. And the definitions could be something like this. It could say, we will use the word, the following word, black, throughout this contract, and it means white. I mean, that's you literally could have a contract that said, for every time we say white, it actually means the color black. Mm-hmm. Or every time we say the word up, it means sideways. It means moving in a direction, horizontal, horizontal direction parallel with the surface of the earth. It could actually, you, you've got to read the, def, the entire contract because it's sort of like a, almost like a program. Like if you're a, if you're a technical person, you've done a lot of programming, you know that, you set up these variables or constructs, algorithms to do certain things, and they always do the same thing unless acted upon by some other variable or algorithm or whatever. 
And so a, con- a contract behaves that way, except it's, it's interpreted by men. It's not interpreted by a machine. So therefore, if you don't define what a woman is, you can get to a point in the future where somebody changes the definition of woman and everything <laughs> goes skewampus. Well, that, that same process hap- has happened over time with the United States Constitution. And instead of having a limited government that protects the rights of the people, we now have an unaccountable monster that is oppressing us. And so uh, KB Jackson here, not being able, uh, carefully being unwilling to, to define what a woman is, is a demonstration of where they want to take this next. And it's not pretty. It's, it's not in the realm of, re, of, uh, Oh, <laughs> it's it's going to be reality what happens next but it's not in the realm of rationality uh, it's crazy talk. it's crazy it's crazy talk yeah the yeah. only th- and i think that this is meant to break society the only thing that's going to and they may be they they seem to be pushing on this uh limb or this you know the the this strain of of um what would we call it sanity They're, they put they seem to be pushing on the sanity of the public pretty hard and so the o- the only thing and, and maybe there's other things that are more crazy than this but the only thing i can think of is the idea that they're going to normalize pedophilia next well, and they ha- seem that, to be pushing that's happening at that. that's happening already i mean there the, the there's a bill in florida which is which people are calling the don't say gay bill which has nothing to do with saying the word gay it just says the teachers can't teach your kids about this stuff young kids especially they can't teach them about you know sexuality and things like that yeah they basically it's, said the parents are the ones that are allowed to because the it's a recognition of the activist teachers that are wrecking society it's more accurately called an anti-grooming bill um, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way to put it because that's what it's kind of designed to protect kids against. And a lot of teachers are groomers and I don't, <clears throat> I don't know that we need to, to go into what that means, what that term means. I think our audience probably knows, but we're seeing that push. And I, I think you're right. It's this carpet bombing of our brains. There's all of these little smaller four lights moments, right? There are five lights. Yeah. He's referencing Star lights. Trek. We did a whole episode about this early on. And the people who are saying, who are holding strong, saying no, there are four lights are being, you know, demonized and made fun of and called names, you know, just like it's basically instead of lights, it's genders and there's two. There are two genders. Right. The best description I've heard uh, about this is that they are incendiary buffooneries. We're being caught up in the incendiary buffooneries of race and gender. Incidentally, la- yesterday I looked up the Utah State... Uh, track records not utah state the university oh they have a track record but (laughs) right the the track and field records and high school track and field records here in the state of utah i I looked them up because i was some curious about some numbers because you know there's an old there's an old sports saying it's the ball don't lie right and in track the clock don't lie right so and i thought okay because uh reminder that in, in a lot of the critics here in Utah of the uh, override, the veto override, or I should say a lot of supporters of this transgender movement 
are saying there's only, it's a small thing. It's, there's a small movement. There's not that many kids, right? There's not that many boys pretending to be girls playing sports. Right. The, but point, the point is the state of Utah is getting ahead of it. Yeah, they're getting ahead of it because all it takes is one to wreck an entire sport. And in, 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 and that's not hypothetical. In Connecticut, right. there are one two. One William Thompson. In Connecticut, there are two boys that have destroyed track and field track and field girls track and field out there they're just wrecking the record books and they're they're like competing in multiple events right yeah yeah and they win as you generally do they win easily and <clears throat> so i looked up these numbers and, and right you bring up william thomas otherwise leah thomas who's destroyed women's swimming. women's swimming at least uh, in the ivy league but he also won the national title in in one of the events I looked up some numbers in the state of Utah, okay? The female record, the girls' record for the 100-meter sprint, it's kind of the gold standard for sprinting, right? That's the sprint. Right. Is, is, is 11.68. 11 mm-hmm. seconds, 0.68. Mm-hmm. The men's, is the men's under 10? Men's is not under 10, but it's... Uh, it's, it's close to 10, like right? like 10... I don't remember what their actual record was, what the, the top, but the 10th best recorded time, because the record books go 10 deep, uh-huh. the 10th best time was 10.63, so over a second faster than the fastest time, fastest female time in state history. So what that means is that a, the, the fastest girl in the history of Utah would not be competitive competing against the boys. Well, that's in the 100-meter dash, and, but, and that's by but, one second. So when you say not competitive, you mean she would not be competitive by a second. A second by, is a ten, big... A t- in, in the 100-meter dash, she would be, she would be nine-tenths of the way done when that kid finished. Yeah, in, in 100 meters, a second is a, an eternity. eternity. I mean, we're, we're, the, the, those results are measured in hundredths of a second. Like, like I mean... Yeah, hundreds. I I think from from first to tenth is less than a half a second on on the record books. No, it can be less than a tenth of a second. What I'm saying, the top ten times. Oh, just it, are all like ten, ten point. I think it's like ten point four to ten point six are those top. So 10 you're times. saying it's not it's not less than half a second. It's less than half of two tenths of a second. So, and I'd have to go back and look at at the spread there. But my point is that the a mediocre a mid pack boy could go become the fastest girl in state history of all time right and this disparities only widen the longer the event okay 200 400 i looked at some cross country records cross country is 5k okay 3.2 miles over uneven varying terrain so i think it's kind of hard to have a have have records that mean Mm -hmm. a whole like they mean something but there's different court like you could have a really hilly course you're not going to break a state record on mm-hmm. over say a flat course but regardless the the best girls time in the history of the state is is several minutes behind the best boys or even like a mediocre boy i i ran cross country and i was kind of a, a average to above average you know i wasn't anything spectacular and i could have i could be the fastest girl in cross country history. And I'm bringing that up because the numbers are objective, right? They don't they don't lie. The ball don't lie. 
And so all it takes, they say this isn't a prevalent thing. You're right, they're right. It's not. But all it takes is one or two guys to destroy women's sports. And Spencer Cox seems okay with that because he can have photo ops with Dwayne Wade and uh, he can improve his social credit score by supporting this he's stuff. Been, um, he's been opposed to this for a while for various reasons. He keeps changing his range of reasons. Now well, he lies too. Now he's come out and said, well, it's because it doesn't provide legal protection uh, for the... Oh, I feel so bad. It's sickening. It's sickening to hear you talk, Spencer Cox. It's he lies sickening. about it too. He says it was. he was surprised by it. This has been an ongoing thing. The sponsor of the bill has claimed, and maybe she's lying, I don't know, but the sponsor of the bill has claimed that he refuses to meet with her to discuss the bill. Uh, he's, I think she said he's only met with He's gone and called a special session, right? Hasn't he to address he, this? He already did. And that's when the veto was overridden. And I, I kind of have wondered his mo- about his motivations there to call a special session. Well, they love special sessions because they can pass more laws against us. That's, right. We're fortunate in the state of Utah that the legislature is only in session for like three months. And th- this is a problem in other states where they're always in session doing crap. Right. So, and our, our, for all its flaws, uh, the Utah legislature has been the body of gover- government that has pushed back on the mask mandates, the vaccine passports, and some of this trans nonsense. Um, so I'll give them oh, yeah. credit. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, compared to the governor, we're really lucky to have these people. But I think more and more we're going to have fewer of those people because uh, Utah's going the way of Colorado, New Mexico, California, and you know Cox is helping lead that charge. Right. Moneyed interests, special interests, the, the uh, well, it's, cancerous it's what you, oligarchy. It's what you repeatedly say. It's, we, we are the me too state, the us too state. Look at us. We're, we're, we're deranged too. Come on, guys. We, we want to be insane. Well, the cancerous oligarchy is working pretty hard on Utah. I mean, Mitt Romney's a good example. They could pull, they, they could pull the wool over you know, the middle of, of Utah, the uh, pseudo-independent 40-50% in the middle of the spectrum, right? If you want to call right. it a spectrum. And I think a lot of those people are having buyer's remorse, but then you get the really activist statists who are coming out and then put out signs, oh, thank you, Mitt Romney, blah, blah. And then and that, that, middle, that middle area, those, again, pseudo-independents or whatever, I don't want to, they'll, they'll claim to be conservative or uh, liberal or whatever. Those, these, these terms are all completely bastardized at this point. You know, there's no... <laughs> We've got status and we've got non-status. That's what it really comes down to. And anyway, that, that middle of the voter uh, group, they seem to be easily swayed by the news media. If, it, it continues to astound me that you have people out there that believe the, the media, that believe the corporate media, the, the corporate oligarchy-driven news I think, outlets. I, I think... Uh, I- I think uh, the the news media could snap their collective fingers and people and tell people that we're now supporting Russia, and it would and actually work. You would see all the you'd see Russian flags flood social media profiles. I stand with Russia. 
they could do that. I think is they, it just that, an influence would, operation though? There, there, there have been uh, researchers that have exposed this. How in the last ten or fifteen years, the the contractors that run the government have set up mechanisms to to run what they call influence operations. It was army intelligence that started this, and then it got sold off or farmed out to some of these contractors that are owned by a lot of the insiders. I forget who it was that did a lot of the work on this. Millennial was it Millennial Millie that did a couple of uh, really good documentaries on this, and it just kind of got swept under the rug. But they've they've been running what we call influence operations in other countries, and it's clear that they've been running them in ours. And so you don't even know what is real. All these all these social media accounts, half of them are fake. Maybe 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 ninety five percent of them are fake. We don't even know. We got to if they're get off of social media. Okay, now I know Bobby's going to do all the work for you, but. <laughs> you've got to disconnect you've got to disconnect in a meaningful way if you want to keep your accounts or whatever but stop help help your this is like a smoking problem like remember when we all tried to get our friends to stop smoking friends don't let friends do drugs and friends don't let friends get sucked into the lies on social media and the way the lies are told is really insidious it's really not the way you'd think it's not like they come out and say um oh by the way uh Putin is a baby killer and we need to hate him. Oh, wait a minute. That's pretty close to what they're saying right now. But it's, I mean, that, that, that sort of stuff gets amplified and, and it gets mixed up and, and, and produced for social media and for, for all other forms of media. And then you get these, these really careful, carefully concocted lies that circulate with what appears to be a lot of truth, Right. We need to get off of the social media and we need to we need to disconnect our brains from it. We need to help our family and friends do the same thing. But in addition to the fact that lies are are distributed there, it just becomes a place where people talk past each other, right? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just think about it. The the real the conversations, sometimes the conversations happen, but it's usually when somebody said something inflammatory and one of their relatives gets mad at them, says something back, and then they go back and forth three or four times, and then they ban each other or they block each other, right? That's usually how conversations go on social media, especially about volatile topics. But the the most of the conversations are just people saying something and talking past each other. That's Twitter. That's where you just say something into the into the societal wind and maybe somebody else will pick it up and then people just talk past each other. We're not having meaningful interactions. Social right. media is not social. It's anti-social. It is destroying it's, it's, us. It's mind control. Yeah. Because you get on there and you are, you know, you have your little echo chamber of your followers <clears throat> and it's like, what do I, what am I supposed to think about this? I don't know if Will Smith actually punched Chris Rock. I need to go to Facebook to find out what I'm told to believe. Facebook is telling me that Will Smith is actually the victim in all of this. I stand with Will Smith. Hashtag stand with Will. Right. And, and they can program us to, to do anything. I, I'm convinced that by tomorrow, Tuesday... March 29th. That people could have, will change their flags to Russian flags if they were told to. Just like in 1984, when the slip of papers handed to the, to the uh, propagandist preaching, you know, they just immediately change the enemy and no one even notices. 
they could do that. They they could do that instantly to not only change the enemy, but change, <laughs> take the current enemy and make them the current victim and the pe- the people that we are now standing with. That's the power that I think the media has, and I don't know wh- how or why people are still giving them any kind of credit or still tuning in. I think it's just a default thing. Plus, you're right. There's so much. So much of it is just fake. Social media accounts are easy to, to fake. Well, the AI projects, a lot of those, and, and I've worked on stuff like this in the past, the way the search engines work, the way the algorithms pick up keyword-based information, what you want to do is, is trick them into coming to your, to your information, whether you're selling something, whether you're selling an idea or you're selling a product or whatever. And so I know we have a few listeners that uh, work in the field of search engine optimization and probably a few others that have, that have in the past or know something about it. That whole field is what I would call astroturf. It's, the idea is to try to get content out on the web that will cause the search engines to think you have what the people are looking for when they put in certain keywords. And so you... you Spam. You're basically just, um, in fishing, we call it chumming, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever done that? You're not supposed to throw corn out into the water. <laughs> You're right. supposed to just or, use a lure. And, right. Or a bloody fish. Yeah, a bloody fish. Thing. It attracts the other fish. Yeah, you, 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 if, if you do something to attract the fish that's artificial, that's called chumming. Well, we call it spamming in the, in the internet world. And so just by virtue of that, most of the internet itself is already fake and it's been faked by people like us that are not really, some of them are nefarious, but not super nefarious. They just want to get people to buy their product or visit their website or whatever. It's commercial reasons. But the U.S. government, the entity that has the most resources of any entity in the history of the world that we're aware of, right, the oligarchy itself, some of these wealthy families, maybe they have more than the U.S. government. I don't know. But the point is that mechanism, which is doing all of the executive action against us and against the world, they've been working on artificial intelligence. And what do you think that artificial intelligence is is for? You think it's to help you have a better experience when you go to... Uh, you know, the doctor or something like that? No, that, that artificial intelligence is to talk to you and, and communicate with you in such a way that your perception of reality is twisted by that. And so their influence operations probably have very sophisticated bots that are putting textual comments out there that look like real people, making it appear that the support for thus and such an agenda or a, an idea or a cause is far greater than it actually is because humanity is dramatically affected by peer pressure. That's got to be one, one thing we all take away from this experience in humanity as we're here on, in the earth life. You know, I hope you're all learning that peer pressure seems to rule supreme and to hear the inner voice, to hear the heart mind, to hear, hear God speaking to you through your heart and mind is incredibly difficult when you're confronted with peer pressure. Go to church and say something that pops into your head that's not comfortable. Try it. 
See how you feel when you say, when you're at church and you say something that's uncomfortable. Well, and I think that the this trans stuff is it might be it might be too much, right? I think most people are understanding that this is nonsense, that men and women are different, especially when it comes to sports. And for some reason this is being pushed really hard. I think it's it's well, that's a, that's a good question. Sorry, finish your thought. Well, I, I just think it's it's sort of a uh, it might be a, a moment of like how far can we really push a lot of people? How many people can we push this far to actually support this this absolute ab- objective I, I nonsense? That, that a lot of a lot of people would say that that this appears to be the oligarchy trying to see how far they can push us. I don't think so. I think that they already know where they're going to push us. They're just applying the pressure needed to do it. And again, the idea is to break that string of sanity in the public. And so they're pushing on certain ideas to break the sanity of the public, to break us, to mentally break us as if we were right. POWs being tortured, right? This is mental torture. And so Which the, the point, Ukrainians are definitely not doing to the Russians. Okay. <laughs> what what I wanna what I wanna say though is that the carpet bombing that I'm talking about is for a certain end. It's not just indiscriminate, uh, oh, we're just bombing you to bo- because in general we want to bomb you. They have a strategic reason for bombing your mind. And we talked about this in the last couple of weeks about how the, the overall economy is the big thing that's at stake here. They intend to make sweeping changes in the economy, the system, the world order, the mm-hmm. world order. People keep saying that term, world order. And if you say that... If you ever point out that somebody in power says world order or new world order, you get branded a conspiracy, quote, theorist, some crazy person, because you pointed out that they're talking about the world order. Can you imagine if, let's say, Joe Biden said something like, there's a new world order and we've got to lead it, end quote. Can you imagine if he would have said that? (laughs) He He would never say that, though. Because if he did, then that would uh, maybe shed some light on the fact that these people think in terms of new world orders, but but they don't because they just have your best interest at mind in mind and your your best interest at heart, and they're just looking out for you, the little guy, right? Whatever, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I appreciate the choir. Uh, and, he's, and he's quoting Joe Biden. Look, people, they, they know what they're doing. They, they've been talking about the new world order for a long time. It's yeah, on the de- freaking decades. dollar bill. Novus order seclorum, new world, new secular order. It's on the, it's on the dollar bill. It was, in, it was in Barney Miller in 1981. It doesn't mean that it's the same order. The, the order changes. The order has been changing dramatically from the time that the, the paper dollar bill was introduced. Um, although that's, that's an interesting subject, the symbolism on the dollar bill. Who, who did it? Where did it come from? Is it promoting the agenda of the what we'd call the robber baron families or the, the, the people that own the robber baron families, you know, that, that financed them. It's, yeah, it's, we, we, we don't know exactly what's gone. It's a secret. It's a secret con- combination, a secret conspiracy. But the world order changes all the time. To say that there's not a new world order or there hasn't been new world orders throughout the history of the world 
is a little bit um is pretty much in denial of of history that's that is the history of the world the changing of orders the changing of rulers the changing of societies that happens over time it's a cycle we've talked about it a lot but uh i i wanted to point out that i think that You know, you say you say that maybe people have reached a line in the sand where they're not going to break, and maybe that's the intent, is they get to that point and then you have social upheaval, which is exactly what the oligarchy wants. But I'm concerned that there's still f- further room to go, be- especially in Utah, because what happens when um, the trusted institutions of the state, such as the church, all of a sudden get behind the rhetoric? Like... We we have you forwarded me a uh, synopsis of a BYU professor out there that's teaching some really inflammatory things that I I, I have yet to hear of a, of an apology. There's no doesn't seem to be any talk of excommunicating the guy, but essentially this guy what was his name? Start with a uh, W. Waymont. Waymont. He was on a podcast, and he's a fairly well-respected guy, right? Do you remember what he teaches? <clears throat> I didn't look into I, it that I closely. I think he teaches, um, I think he's a New Testament, like... Uh, he's a religion professor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's not just a, like a philo- uh, philosophy guy or a humanities guy that teaches religion. He's like a no, reli- he's, he's religion written, professor. He's written study guides, on, study guides on the New Testament. Let me just, I'll look up his... Uh, is, uh, well, quick synopsis. I guess he gave a resume. a little a little podcast of his own, a little presentation. He was he was, was he teaching students. No, he was he was on the um, I think the Dialogue um, podcast, Dialogue Journal of Mormon Studies. Dialogue's been around forever. They're mm-hmm. kind of they 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 like to compare themselves to or or they like to. I was looking at the word compare. Uh, it's not compare. They like to consider themselves kind of edgy, kind of progmo. Okay, so they're Mormon. they're they're like a, what they, we would call left leaning. But they've been around forever, and so he, I think he was appearing on their podcast. Okay, well he, uh, you explained to me that he, he was contending that Joseph of Egypt, Joseph the son of uh, Jacob, was gay because. Let me see. You you explained it to me. You said he his argument was that he is gay because he had a fancy coat, was handsome, he forgave people, he rejected Potiphar's wife, and rode in Pharaoh's chariot, quote, as his consort. Yeah. So this guy, he's a professor of comparative arts and letters. He was the, from 2013 to thir- 2018, was the director of the Religious Studies Center. Uh, he teaches Greek, Latin, um, CLSCS, whatever that is. I don't know what that stands for. Classics? Maybe. Um, so it looks like he, and then he's got, um, he wrote uh, a book called The Text of the New Testament Apocrypha, um, a few other things. So he, I mean, he, he, uh, he's, a, he's a well-respected so I guess we're going to see how the, down there. how the church takes this. I mean, he didn't only say that. He also said that John the Beloved was gay because he had a, quote, special relationship with the Lord, which the right. implications of that are 
cosmologically mind-blowing. But his his logic on Joseph is just bizarre. Um, uh, does that mean anybody who wears nice clothes and who looks nice is also gay? I mean, th- there's no... And, and he couches his comments. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. He couches everything in the rabbis. The rabbis thought this. The rabbis said this. And so he... he so he, he didn't actually he, say he thinks he could, that? He could, he could perhaps, if there was any kind of pushback you know, from the church or the university, he could say, no, I was just bringing up a line of thought. But it's pretty obvious that he was... He's pushing this stuff, and I don't know that he provided any sources for the rabbis. But it, it's again, it's like you said, it's another example of just kind of the reality is we have no way of actually knowing except that what's in the record, right? What's in the records, and the, and the records all point to Joseph being first of all fruitful. He had a wife and children, mm-hmm. uh, favored of God. And and also extremely, Joseph's life was very symbolic. Joseph was a it was a similitude, a type, a shadow of Christ, right? And of course, he also is the, you know, he in his, among his posterity, you have Lehi, right, and all his sons. Um, he's a type of Joseph Smith character. Um, so Joseph's a. a, a Joseph is super like, symbolic. We don't always talk about that. We just talk about the, the kind of the music, the musical version of the story, right? Just the plot points. Mm-hmm. We recently went through it in Sunday school, right? It was part of the, <clears throat> part of the curriculum, part of the controlled narrative, and, okay. we, and you know, and you go through it, right? Because it's the Old Testament this year, and in church, right? We're studying the Old Testament and, and you just sort of, and maybe your mileage va- may vary depending on your teacher, but it's sort of like a, uh, you know, Joseph got sold into Egypt, but he was cool. So Potiphar promoted him and then he resisted. Oh, that's another reason he's gay because he resisted adultery. Yeah. Potiphar's wife. And, and, you know, then he interprets dreams and then he, is restored and becomes the number two in Egypt. And then he saves them from famine and gives his brothers food. And what a forgiveness story. Like, okay, yeah. But that's like the most surface version of the story. There's a lot more to it, which we could get into another day, maybe. Well, I'm curious. Curious about what? Well, your thoughts on what else there is to the Joseph story. Well, he has a, uh, there's, in the songs, in the, in the musical, we learned, <laughs> have you, did you ever get into the musical? Do you remember? I never musical? saw the musical. This is, Donny Osmond did the, it was, play, su- it was really popular maybe 10, 15 years ago, right? I don't know what I was doing 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> hey, Joseph, you'll make it someday. Hey, hey, Joseph. Anyway, but that's kind of like the, that's just kind of as far as people go with it. But I think there's a lot more to it. One, one you, have, you have the house of Israel rising to power and then saving the house of Israel, right? You have Joseph, say, you know, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to Israel, you have the stick of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Joseph literally 
bringing grains and food and salvation to Israel. And I think that that, that has some parallels to Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. Okay. Right. Anyway, we could get into it maybe, uh, maybe another time. Okay, well, if you don't want to talk about it today, well, no, we can. I just I would need to kind of brush off, brush, brush up on it. Brush the cobwebs been, out of the out of the head since I've listened to the musical. So the musical <laughs> has all the symbolism in it. No, no, but the, but uh, it was really, really popular. You just went through this in in uh, gospel doctrine. It sounds like I'm not sure what the problem here is. We went through the four plot points that I just went through. Okay, which I think are important, but. How is, and how is gospel doctrine these days? Are you uh, feeling fulfilled? Moving on. <laughs> okay, let's talk about something else. I think gospel doctrine can be really valuable. I think it can be, and we have to come to it prepared as students and then as also as teachers, if we're a teacher. If you come too prepared... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, and there, there are mechanisms in place to make sure you don't say too much. Well, I think, I think, uh, depending on how well the teachers have know, been when, trained. When come follow me, and I hate, I absolutely despise that term. I think we've taken, as the church has taken maybe the most important invitation from the Savior himself. Those are the Savior's words, right? Come follow me. And we've turned it into a product. And so people say, oh, yeah, I was reading Come Follow Me, and, and, and Come Follow Me, and have you guys looked at Come Follow Me? And we just yeah, have, it kind of degrades we've that, ruined those, those words of the Savior. Other words that have been ruined. Ministering. Sure. <laughs> right. Okay. Covenant path. Well, that was invented. Sorry. That was invented, yeah. But we've taken... <laughs> but when... It still when, got ruined. When, like, I was in Sunday school when come, the very first Come Follow Me curriculum was rolled out to the youth saving ordinances and it was supposed to hear him hashtag here hashtag hear him right hashtag it was supposed to encourage more free flow conversations that weren't just rigidly following a manual and in order to do this they gave us a new manual that people need to rigidly follow Maybe that was never the intention, uh, but it's what's happened, right? It's, it's, it's what's happened. So there's talking points in the lesson plans, and, and we try to cover too much ground, and everybody wants to get through the lesson, which was the whole point of this was to not get through a lesson, but to be led by the Spirit. And it's sort of a I catch twenty. It's, worked. it's sort of a catch-22, though. What, what would the controllers expect when they hand you a manual and have a prescribed monthly, weekly <clears throat> breakdown. Well, I think it's interesting. Last year when we had, we, you know, the curriculum was the Doctrine and Covenants, and it was interesting to me which sections were conveniently just mm -hmm. not talked about. Right, but month they, they have a master plan, and that is that month by month you talk about certain topics, right? And they're the 12 topics. It's, uh, even though we switch the curriculum every four years, or every, every year over a cycle of four years, the first month is generally God the Father, then Jesus Christ. Well, that's changed. Is that, has that changed? Yeah. It might still be that way with I the think youth, it's but it's, it's, it's subtly not, that way. Now it's... Well, don't you have Missionary Month and uh, Temple not focus really. now, at some point during now the year? Now the, the curriculum is just... Um, it's by week. Of, of the, so it's like March, 
you know, March 17th through March 25th or whatever. And it just is, it's like, you know, Deuteronomy 5 through 13. And then it gives you. Well, yeah, but they've always, they've always done that, but they overlay. Not anymore. Maybe in the primary, it's that the way. youth one might be that way still. I haven't looked at the youth one for a bit because I'm not uh, involved with teaching the youth. Okay, uh, at least not explicitly involved. <laughs> you seem to either sigh or okay, I'm not sure what that was right there. Was well, that a, I'm glad I'm not, or I wish I was because I, I'm over here doing this. <laughs> well, anyway, okay. <laughs> um, so. But it's still, so you still just have, I mean, how many times have you, and I'm saying this to the listeners too, how many times have we been in a pretty good conversation in doctrine or in gospel doctrine, and the teacher says, this is great, but we need to move on, and they just kill a good conversation so they can move on because the lesson plan says move on. And then what they end up doing is saying the same thing that's been said every time that comes up, rather than exploring right important ideas uh from people that might have more information sure right exactly anyway we we've kind of derailed ourselves but i think it's all relevant because having conversations having having you know sort sussing things out in our minds and in our hearts i think is a big part of why we should go to church. Well, and this, for the, from the Mormon, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints standpoint, we have this uh, sort of a restriction in, built into our minds that somehow, once you've been through the youth programs and you go through sort of the adult curriculums in your early 20s, you should know everything. Or if you've been on a mission you know everything that the church teaches. And that is the level of discourse at church and Sunday school. There's not, there generally are not a lot of new ideas presented or, or further exploration of the, the histories or the ideas, even in elders quorum. In fact, my experience has been before they split the uh, elders quorum and high priest group, that the elders quorum was the place where there was actually a lot of, depending on who was in it, you'd get some interesting conversation. The high priests were generally very rigidly focused on whatever the, the party line right. is, you know, they, 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 they've, they had been sufficiently conditioned to just get through the lesson you know, and, and say the same things over and over again. And I guess, I don't know if that's what makes a good high priest or what, but I remember having some very interesting conversations in elders quorum and having taught elders quorum a little bit too, that, that was kind of fun. And then we'd get together and sometimes have combined meetings and teach the high priest at the same time. And that, that got a little bit interesting, but you could tell there was resistance to free form discussion So it, there's there's like a cultural overlay on all of this. There's like a there's this inelastic thing that that captures our minds at a certain point, at least in the in the church culture. Well, anyway, we bring I, br- I bring that up because <laughs> w- the, the, we're we're at a we're at a focal point here. We're we're at a focal point with the 
Jackson nomination, her being asked what's a woman and not being willing to answer, which is perhaps the most important thing that's been asked to a Supreme Court justice in a long time. I mean, now we're down to the... They're not, they don't need to ask her how she's going to rule. They just need to ask, well, what do you actually believe? Can you, can you answer the question, what is a woman? Will you define what a woman is? Will you define what your cultural definitions, can you, can you set out what your cultural definitions are so that we can know that you will operate in a manner consistent with the prevailing culture and the actual history of the United States of America and protect in a real way the integrity of our of our minds really you know of our of our psyches of our ethos or are you going to you know allow this to go off the cliff or put are you going to be pushing it off the cliff i mean we got several justices that would totally be pushing the mind of america off of a cliff and we're right there on the knife's edge. And so you have that going on, and then you have this Professor Wayman thing, and we can see we can see whether our... Because we have a very... Whether we like it or not, we have a very controlling arche, oligarchy. Okay, I'm going to use that in the church sense. We have a church oligarchy. We have a few people that, that rule over us, in a way, at the top, and they decide sort of what the parameters are of a, of acceptable discussion they they push out the agenda they they influence the minds of the people in a very real way right they're always training you on sundays and on uh twice a year at conferences and whatnot and if you're in in any sort of a leadership position you have all kinds of other trainings and whatnot so there's an expectation that's being pushed out there's a there's an agenda there's a strategy going on here not just for your youth but for you as adults and so this is this is done you know there in a lot of ways in the church there's something for everyone it's it's like you you can uh, listen to the stuff that's going on on the on the side or you can just go to church on Sundays and not worry about that um so you don't have to you know and and we're told to love each other right so you can in a, in a lot of ways it's good because people can hold opposing views whether they're more uh, liberal leaning or more conservative leaning or whatever. It allows a lot of people that have differing views to come together. So that's, that's good in a lot of ways. But we've seen the, the oligarchy move the church in a certain direction over the last decade, mm-hmm. and especially in the last couple of years since the Russell M. Nelson presidency began. There have been a lot of changes. And so uh, we're, we're, we're seeing a movement here, right? And there, there have been plenty of people excommunicated for far less than what uh, Wayment said. Um, I'll call your minds back to the September 6th. You had uh, Avraham Gileadi, D. Michael Quinn. There was uh, Paul Toscano, I think. There was a couple of, three other people who I can't remember. One was a woman who was really into Heavenly Mother. <laughs> okay. So we have, we have a sort of a... A standard here. Are we gonna are we gonna see the same standard applied to Wayment that was applied to people like Denver Snuffer, for example? Denver Snuffer was excommunicated in 2013 for publishing a book entitled Passing the Heavenly Gift and also not yielding to their demand that he not go out and do a series of lectures on Mormonism, which he 
decided to do. And the more, and I listened to those lectures, and the gist of those lectures was that Joseph Smith's Mormonism, his restoration, was uh, really important and needed to be, we needed to have a revival of Joseph Smithian Mormonism. Is that weird to say, to have, we have do, I, do we have at this point different flavors of Mormonism? Anyway, um, I can see that maybe this isn't something, somewhere we should be going on this topic, or on today's podcast from the look on your face. No, but, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> but I'm, the coming, co- I'm, I'm riding right along. Okay, you're riding, you're riding on? Uh, well, anyway, the, po- the point I was just trying to make is here in Utah, and I think a lot of our listeners here are you know, familiar with or neck deep in the Utah Mormon culture, whatever. If you're not, you know, please comment on the, on the page and let us know you're out there and that you want us to talk about something different. Today, today it seems to have turned to this, but I, I'm, I'm bringing all this up because we're at this this nexus point, this focal point, this point of inflection in, in history where we're waiting and watching. Everyone's watching to see what's happening here because are we going to allow this justice on the Supreme Court? And it looks like that's, that's a yes. It looks like all the Republicans are going to vote no. Is Mitt Romney really going to vote no? I don't think he'll vote no. So she gets confirmed by a very narrow margin and she won't define what a woman is. Well, right. that that and and then you've got a guy like this Wayment guy who says that Joseph of Egypt was gay. Now, again, I'm not going to go so far as to 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 say the old Seinfeld mantra that oh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I I have problems with with that idea of of I I I I, I don't want to get into the same sex attraction thing here on the on the podcast. I have. Uh, you know, I, I think there are very, very, very solid, good, nice people on the other side of this argument. You know, I just, I don't think that that's an appropriate behavior for, for society to champion. Let me put it that way. It, it should be left sort of in the, in the shade, so to speak. It should, it should, Bill Clinton's policy in the military, don't ask, don't tell, was, was I think appropriate. I am not espousing hating these people and, and hurting them, you know, I am not. But I don't think we need to market it. How's that? If The more you market it, the more, more ideas you put into young people's heads, then pretty soon you have eight-year-olds thinking that, that even though they're a boy, that they're somehow a girl. That's, that's the, the, the marketing of this sexuality thing is what brought us to this point, the marketing of it over the last 20 years. Yeah, and even, so, even more importantly than KJB's, KBJ? KBJ. KBJ, we got it. K- KJ, isn't the KJB the Soviet? You can call her KJB if you want. I'll know who you're talking about. <laughs> but more, more, I think more important than her inability or unwillingness to define a woman is her judicial record of being very light on pedophiles and, and mm-hmm. sentencing them to the most minimum. I mean, some of the things she has said are just absurd about child predators. Yeah, but... I think and and that, that's an important thing because that is what you're talking about is this, this marketing of sexual, uh-huh. uh, sexual or sexualization, say sexualization of children and, and <clears throat> children's uh, and content that is being delivered right. to children did, did in you, schools. Did you listen to the, I know you didn't listen to the whole presentation by Professor Wayman, but did you listen to the, 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 did he really say that, uh, 
Jesus and John the Beloved had a, quote, special relationship? Did you hear that? I think that's in a different presentation. Okay, so I don't know that, but if that's, could look it up. If that's the case, because there, that is far more universally uh, groundbreaking right there. That, I mean, I know other people have said it, but to have a Mormon get away, uh, a Mormon professor at BYU be able to get away with saying that, I think is far beyond the line. I mean, I, I'm, I'm watching to see what the, the, the U.S. Congress does, but I kind of think I know what they're going to do. But I want to know what our oligarchy here in Utah is going to do if they're going to allow that kind of insinuation to persist. Because that, that tears at the fabric of the cosmos in a way that, I mean, I don't, even, I don't think I even have words for it at this point. The, 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 the early Catholic Church did a great job taking Mary Magdalene out of the picture. I think it's well established, especially by the movie The Da Vinci Code, that <laughs> Jesus was married. No, it's, it's not that. There's tons of academic support for the idea that Mary Magdalene and the Lord were uh, married. There's even evidence of children, two sons and a daughter at a minimum. Um, there are legends. There, you know, there's all kinds of stuff apocryphal works the the early catholic church did not want him to they, they they didn't for whatever reason they didn't want people to believe that he was married and so they denigrated mary magdalene they're denigrating women they um put him in a in a certain category and they and they, they also they also wanted to sort of take away our link to the lord by making him non-human by making him amorphous he's this is the trinitarian godhead the idea that god is unknowable and he's one in three he is the father and the son and the holy ghost he's not he's not what you are you are not like god he's he's different you you have these sexual passions that are terrible right and you have all these things about you this this these bot this body these parts and these passions which is language borrowed from the old temple ceremony um, the, the preacher, if, if you're unaware, the Mormon temple ceremony was changed. There used to be a preacher that preached that God was a God without a body, without parts and without passions. And, um, we have a, we believe Joseph Smith believed in a God that was a man like unto you. That is the great secret. Go read the King Follett discourse. The great secret is that God who sits enthroned in yonder heavens was once a man like you. And that you are supposed to walk the path that all the other gods have walked, namely by going from one small degree to a greater degree, from grace to grace, and from exaltation to exaltation until you can sit down to dwell with those who dwell in everlasting burnings. And that the first principle of the gospel is to know these things and to know that you can converse with God as one man speaks to another. That is the very basis of faith which gets enshrined as the first principle of the gospel in the Articles of Faith. The idea that you understand that you believe that, and then you'll talk with God, right? So, so here we have a situation where we're really we're just ripping at the very core, tearing. We are we the the, the, the evil ones are clawing at this, and and they started. They had to start uh, by dis, disassociating you from your lineage, from your parentage, and then you from your wife, if you're a man, or you from your 
husband, if you're a woman, from your, from your better half, as they say, from your other half. And now we're to the point where we're, are we going to allow this to stand that we have open insinuation that the Lord had a relationship with John the Beloved? Did he really say that? I'm trying to find out. Joseph of Egypt, as you in- indicated, is a type of Christ. And so to say that Joseph of Egypt was that way is almost at that same level. Well, it's... it's, it's... The, you forwarded a... Um, <coughs> you forwarded somebody else's <coughs> website that, that claimed that he said John is called the Beloved because he had... He and Jesus had, quote, a special relationship. Yeah, I'm trying to find, uh, find well, anything on that. We can look at, we can find that later. Somebody we'll, else said that. And we'll put it up on the, on the website if we can find it. But uh, amidst all of this, the, uh, the Deseret News. No wonder God is coming to burn the earth. <laughs> the Deseret News had an article, um, which, by the way, Maybe it's relevant, maybe it's not. The Desert News is wholly owned by the church. The Desert News had an article uh, with the headline that says, Perspective, what happens when fake news turns out to be true? And, and they're referring to the, <laughs> the Hunter Biden laptop. The Hunter Biden which, laptop turns out to be true? Yeah, and I didn't read the whole article. I didn't even. What were they, they're just joking about it? No, no. No, this is a real headline in a serious article. And the, and the seriousness of it is that the Hunter Biden laptop was fake news, and now it's true? Yeah, because remember when the Hunter... So it was fake when, the, when people like us said it was true. Yeah. And now it's true because the New York Times says it's true? Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 just that headline and that kind of mindset fits into all of this because... We've been trying to point out truth and, and things like that uh, that are so obviously true, like oh, asymptomatic spread, right? That w- we were told that we needed the vaccine passports and the masks to prevent asymptomatic spread, even though asymptomatic spread was has never been and will never be a, 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 an a attribute thing. of of respiratory viruses. If so, then 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 there would be there's then everyone's always sick there's no such thing as healthy right right but that's just another example right so now with with this hunter biden thing it's like what happens when fake news turns out to be true and that's the kind of mind games that are being played and i don't i think the people that desert news are just stupid and don't even realize that they're just feeding this beast i i know a lot i mean i'm pretty sure most of our listeners are very strong in their minds. How do we get other people to just snap out of it? It's like, hey, <laughs> you know, stop it. Stop listening to these people. If you're, you, do you just laugh at them? Like, oh, you, you're listening to the, well, to the media still? People, I think, we've touched on this, but I think people are coming to their senses, but I also think there's a false great awakening. But in your day-to-day conversation, is anybody talking about COVID anymore? No. Zero zip zilch. Yeah, it's pretty it. much out of the public psyche. 
but it's not out of the, the you still have sort of the same grifters that have been pushing this all along like Fauci and all of his little imitators. Well, I still see a lot of people wearing masks like at the grocery store. Still still a few people wearing masks. There's some people on Twitter like wearing one guy was wearing like a sanding mask, you know, the kind of thing you would use when you're painting or sanding. He's having he had that on at the grocery store and he's saying I can't believe no one's wearing masks and it's like I don't know if that's a fake troll account. I don't know if it's a real dude. But the mind is broken if, you know, people like that. And they, they, they see they're having a hard time understanding or accepting that people have moved on from this. And we should have never been caught up in it in the first place. Like, but we were because we're susceptible to mass hysteria, <coughs> mass formation mass psychosis, hysteria. which is also fake news, right? There's no such thing as mass formation psychosis. Oh, man. they Yeah. So all of this, I think all of this we, we can be lumped up into this, this just mass formation psychosis. And they're, they're screwing up our brains. <laughs> so we don't know what's true. We don't know what's right. We don't know what's wrong. And they can make us believe anything. They could come, you know, the media could come out tomorrow and say, experts say, that doing a handstand for five minutes a day will lower your risk of being hit by lightning during a nuclear fallout. And they'd have people doing handstands every day. I mean, there's no end to the absurdity. I mean, they had us all putting masks on to go into the grocery store. I thought, why not? You know, I, 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 I told people on Twitter, I yelled into the void. I said, you know, I haven't got COVID. This was before I got COVID. And I said, I've been carrying around in my pocket a Denver-minted 1979 quarter, and it has protected me from getting COVID. <laughs> Prove that it hasn't. I haven't Prove gotten it. sick. Right. And when I finally did get it, you know why I got it? Because I didn't have that quarter with me. Hmm. Lisa, Profound. I want to buy your rock. Profound. Profound. <laughs> it's the Simpsons, right? Lisa, yeah. I want to buy your rock. But they had us doing all kinds of stuff. Why not, why not make us do cartwheels to, before we go into the grocery store? How is that any different well, than the, having to don a, a surgical or cloth mask? Sure. There are plenty of people out there that understand how this works. The 4chan guys were able to get uh, the mainstream media to believe that the OK hand sign mm -hmm. is a white supremacist symbol. Yeah. So now literally... It was a funny joke, but it, it almost did more damage than good because literally now if you make the okay sign, they, they call you a white supremacist. Well, they did the same thing with the Pepe the Frog cartoon. Yeah. That became a, a far-right symbol because 4chan trolled people into it, trolled yeah. the media into it. Which is very, very telling that, that, that they were able to have that kind of influence. They're, they were also getting women to shave their heads at one point. Was it go bald for something or other? And in support of Jada Pinkett, I think. Oh, that is, uh, <laughs> if, I, if I remember right, this is Will Smith's wife. Yeah. Will Smith is an actor, and he recently won Best Actor. Is that right? Yesterday. Yesterday. So on the same so day. So what happened there? <laughs> that, was, that created some... Now we're now we're really tangenting off. Well, what, but it, well, it, it all think, goes to the I, same thing. I, what, I, the, the, he slapped Chris Rock. Okay, Chris Rock was at the Oscars, right? 
Why was he at the Oscars? He was presenting. Oh, he's the presenter. He's he wasn't like the, the host. He was the Billy Crystal of the... No, he wasn't the host. He was just presenting one of the awards. Okay. I don't know who hosted it, honestly. I don't know anything about the Oscars. I can't tell you what was nominated, who was nominated, who won. Except that they're so white. Well, they were. But I don't know if they still are. Chris Rock and, <clears throat> and uh, Will Smith are black, by the way. Will Smith was in attendance because he was, uh, I guess he got nominated for his portrayal of the father of Venus and Serena Williams, the tennis players. Anyway, Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, who has alopecia and has been very publicly, you know, uh, talking about it, posting Instagram and TikToks or whatever, and she's lost her hair. And Chris Rock said, hey, Jada, we're really looking forward to G.I. Jane 2. Now, G.I. Jane was a movie with Demi Moore several years ago where Demi Moore was in the military and she had her head shaved. So it's a pretty stupid, innocuous joke. So because Jada Pinkett Smith has her head kind of shaved, he made a joke about G.I. Jane 2. And Will Smith's laughing. Okay, he's on camera laughing. And then his, So he thought it was a funny joke? And then his wife gives him a look like, how dare you laugh? Oh, she was there with him? Yeah. And so then, and I have a link to a, we'll, we'll post a video that kind of breaks this all down. So then Will Smith gets up and he walks onto the Oscar stage on live television and slaps Chris Rock across the face goes and sits down and then screams obscenities at him. And then Chris Rock just kind of says, anyway, we're here to give out an award. <laughs> and he just moves on. It's a bizarre situation. And of course, it blew the internet up. And it's the first time, in, I, I, first time I can remember in, dec- in, in a decade or more that people are talking about the Oscars. <laughs> of course, they're not talking about the Oscars. They're talking about this incident, right? No one cares about the awards or who won or who lost or who was snubbed or all that, that garbage. <clears throat> but the debate raging is, was it real or was it staged? Kayfabe. And that, it's, it's a little, sim- there's a lot of symbol- symbolism <clears throat> in what we just witnessed. You have Will Smith throwing a tantrum and physically assaulting another person for words. And if, and if that doesn't sort of sum up kind of the state of our society as a whole, where we just throw tantrums and demand, you know, and hurt other people because they think things or say things that we don't like. I mean, look, a few years ago, Rich, Ricky, Ricky Gervais stood up in, I think, the Grammys or the Golden Globes, I think it was, and accused all these same people of being Jeffrey Epstein apologists and pedophiles. And no one stood up and punched him, although I think they <laughs> wanted to. And that's a lot more inflammatory than, yeah. than making fun of uh, somebody's hair because they have alopecia, right? And so is it kayfabe? Probably some of it. <clears throat> Was it unscripted? Maybe. It's hard to know because, once again, this is Hollywood where everything is scripted, but also it's Hollywood where a lot of people are just plain sociopathic nut jobs. And so I don't know, but that's the whole point. We don't know what's real. We don't know how real the news we're seeing from Ukraine and Russia is. We don't know 
you know, news is breaking recently that, oh, the death counts for COVID were probably miscounted and overrepresented because of data errors. It's like, no, it's not because of data errors. It's because you were waging assault on the minds of people. And so it's just, it's just absurdity layered upon absurdity upon absurdity. I also wondered, you know, the whole world was focused on this punch last night. And I wondered what... Uh, what was it a punch or a slap? It was a slap, actually. Which was like a slap upside the head. <clears throat> like he w- kind of wound up. It was a hard slap. Chris Rock took it. Did he run into it or did he? No, he just walked up to him. And Chris Rock from behind? Kinda, no, walked right up to his face. And Chris Rock's kind of looking at him, like, probably thinking if it was unscripted, he's probably thinking like, well, Will Smith's going to come and say something. Uh-huh. And he's kind of got this look on his face, kind of a little grin. And he just, bam. And Chris Rock just goes, wow, wow, Will Smith just smacked the bleep out of me. Uh-huh. And so if it was unscripted, I think Chris Rock actually handled it pretty well. But, but huh. He, the, here's the larger point is we don't know and we have no real way of knowing right. what's real, what's fake, what's scripted, what's manipulative. Except the only, I guess we do have a real way of knowing, and that's called discernment, right? Yeah, that's a good point. The Book of Mormon and Moroni says the Holy Ghost will teach us the truth of all things. All things. All things. Not Sunday school things, not general conference things, not church things, but all things. An interesting phrase, all things. And I think it's never been more important to have that, dis- that discernment and to search for it and to, to seek after that gift of discernment. Because without it, you're, you're going to end up with 13 different flags in your Twitter profile. You're going to fall for every cause, every, every outrage, every... Uh, every dramatic kayfabe that they're going to throw at you and you will have you will live your life angry and outraged because everybody is being oppressed it is the age of rage we are being we're being uh herded around and controlled by rage for sure that that conflict that anxiety that's that's what's controlling a lot of people guilt too like like white people are you have white people uh you know just just mired in self-loathing because they're white right speaking again of the incendiary buffooneries of race and gender a friend of mine this week sent me a uh an article titled um i forwarded this to you bobby it's it's titled um come on load up here is this the other byu professor yeah, BYU professor orders students to snap photos of on-campus whiteness. Yeah. Do you have that? Yeah, and I saw something about this. I think it's the same incident, unless it's a new one, a, a few weeks or months ago, where students were given an assignment to photograph whiteness on campus. Maybe this is a different one, but it's absurd. Do you want to go over some of the uh, points of the assignment? Well, I don't. You, yeah, you. Yeah, if you want, but I, I'm just sitting here thinking again. What does it take to make a a person to switch into believing that they're racist or have white privilege? Or, I mean, this is for. It is buffoonery. It's like 
Here's we're, we're using racism to say we're combating racism. This move is just the our our uh, my big question is: Are people actually buying this? Are people really believing it? And that's why I brought up the whole church thing. That's why I brought up the you know who's telling us what to think because it seems that a lot of the public, whether whether you're LDS and you're relying on the church to give you your opinions or whether you're just mainstream Christian American and you're relying on the Fox News to tell you what to think or what, you know, we all have our trusted sources, right? Or do we? Mine it is, seems a lot of people have trusted sources and then they go with that. Mine is the government of New Zealand. Oh, yeah, of course. They are. Yacinda. Yacinda? Yacinda? How, she how, is what do you my, call her? Do you just she, call her Yassi? She is my single source of truth. <laughs> Whiteness is, according to Professor Lopez, Jane, who is white. Professor Jane Lopez says. She sounds like she married a guy that's not white. Whiteness is a location of structural advantage or race privilege, a standpoint or a place from which white people look at themselves, at others, and at society. <laughs> so, like a balcony? <laughs> uh, a window? could be on the street and then a set of cultural practices that are usually unmarked and unnamed how do you photograph that which is unmarked and unnamed well she probably she's probably going to get some pictures of kids purchasing things like at the or you know here's a kid studying there's whiteness on display and here's a kid buying something there's whiteness on display she also calls byu a this is all capitals, predominantly white institution, PWI. Apparently that's a thing. BYU not only has a disproportionate number of white students in its student body compared to the U.S. population as a whole, but it also has different aspects of whiteness built into its physical and social environment. So I, I don't know that that is actually correct. I don't know if BYU's campus is more white than the population as a whole. I guess you could look that up, but well, I, I would, think it, it represents um, the West. But I'm I'm very curious in in what constitutes uh, physical structures that are white. You know where you're disproportionately black is in the South, where you've got a lot of black people. All right, nobody seems to be complaining about yeah. you know uh, you know we drove through there. There's a lot of black folks down in the South. Why? Because that's where their families are. Yeah. It's where the it's their cultural uh, heritage. They live. Do you know there. how many of them want to go to BYU? I didn't meet a single person that wanted to go to BYU down there. <laughs> There's probably some, but uh, yeah, I mean, no, it's like Utah, BYU. U Utah, BYU Wyoming. consistently ranks last on the list of party schools, so they've got a problem getting people out anyway. Yeah, I think white or black or Asian. That's because the BYU parties are underground and they usually rank don't ask don't top tell. of the stone cold sober list, right? They yeah. every year they come out with a which is yeah. the biggest party school ranking and BYU is always last. Which BYU and and kind of the culture at large takes with a, a great deal which of they love. Pride. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's a, it's sort it's of a, a it's silly a, it's a tongue in cheek thing. Yeah, it's a silly pop culture type of a contest, but but I also learned recently that lifting weights is white supremacy. Oh, really? That came from, um, speaking of elements of whiteness, you know, we're kind of all over the place right now, but it's all these- Black people don't lift weights? These aspects of just absurdity. 
um, here, while I'm looking that up, let me, let me play you the Joe Biden quote that we referred to earlier, because I have it right here. Election point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy, in the world, occurs every three or four generations. As one of as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between nineteen hundred and nineteen forty six. Is this classified and, uh, information? Since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there. And we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So anyway, you know, we are in a reflection. So he was told that there was going to be a new world order in a classified meeting, and then he told everybody. Yeah, I was not by the top military official. My golly, we're going to... He actually sounded relatively coherent in that clip. There's some that are way worse than that. Yeah. So anyway, there's the new world order. We gotta lead it. <laughs> Anybody well, know when Matlock comes on? The, the sixty million people have died. No, it's. He I, said sixty million people died between 1900 and 1947, and less people have died since 1947 to nine. I mean, there's no there, Stalin to now. I mean, Mao killed a lot more people than that. In, in Asia. I'm not sure where his numbers are, but, but he's also this claimed... Is military intelligence. This is also the same guy that claimed that 200 million Americans a year die from gun violence. So take, you know, take it for what it's worth from Joe Biden. But, um, but yeah, but th- th- what's funny is people were, were saying, oh, see, look, new world order, new world order. And I think I sent you a, a trending topic on Twitter. It was new world order, and it was a unsubstantiated conspiracy theory it's like but joe biden used the phrase can we talk about the george bush george hw bush i know he used the I phrase know. everybody used the phrase the australian guys are using the phrase everybody's calling it a new world order they sure are but that's an unfounded conspiracy theory right who is that who is that protecting at this point these who when when somebody sees that it's an unfounded conspiracy theory i can think of a few relatives maybe of mine that would say oh but but it's an unfounded conspiracy theory. See here, here it says that right here on my phone. I think it's I'm people that want thinking about. I think that. it's just people that want that don't want to think about there being a, a concerted effort to destroy their lives. MSNBC: Pandemic fitness trends have gone extreme. Literally, white supremacists' latest scheme to valorize violence and hypermasculinity has gone digital. It appears the far right has taken advantage of pandemic at-home fitness trends to expand its decade-plus radicalization of physical mixed martial arts, MMA, and combat sports spaces. See, this is they're trying to call Joe Rogan uh, far right in this. Initially. And he's a, a Democrat, isn't he? He's like a traditional... He's kind of a left, a left left-leaning, leaning. I would call him a left-leaning Hollywood liber- type libertarian. I I would call him a left-leaning yeah, libertarian. A weed-smoking lefty. Initially lured with health tips and strategies for positive physical changes, new recruits are later invited to closed chat groups where far-right content is shared. <laughs> 
fascist fitness. They say this stuff with a straight face. This is MSNBC, of course, which nothing they do is serious, but they take themselves very seriously. Yeah. So it's all absurd. There's so much absurdity. I guess that's what we've been talking about for an hour and a half is to point oh out my how gosh. much absurdity there is. And what, what, do you, what can we do about it? What do we do, it? Bobby? What can we do about it? You asked how can we wake up friends, and I don't think you can, other than just pointing out the absurdity. I think humor can actually go a long way. I, I'm going to read you a couple of tweets, okay, because why not? Why not? It's our show. We can do whatever we want. But I've been trying to point Fine. out some of the, abter- the absurdity of all of this. And again, I don't have a large Twitter following. I don't really care. But it sometimes feels good just to scream it out into the, out into the nether, out into the void. And uh, um, here's one. <clears throat> I just contacted the promoter of a bike race I, per- I participated in 13 years ago where my finishing time was faster than all the women who raced to let him know that I am now fairly sure, although I'm not a biologist, that I might be a woman and that they owe me $250 in prize money. Hmm. You tweeted that or somebody else? I did. <laughs> here's, an, here's another one. These are all from me. <laughs> okay, these are all your tweets? I, uh, I, think, uh, I think letting men physically dominate women is the zenith of compassion. A girl that hasn't been outran, outlifted, and outswam by a man just isn't going to handle it very well when her husband beats her for burning the eggs. <laughs> and you're still on Twitter? For now. <laughs> Meaning uh, they haven't. I also, I also let people know that I'm available to act as a confirming biologist for your gender reveal parties. But is this before the baby comes out? Like they just have an ultrasound or? I I can just be there just to let people feel comfortable knowing that a biologist, quote unquote biologist, is there. Is available to talk to at the gender Mm -hmm. reveal party? Mm -hmm. Here's one. Hey, I tagged Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hey, church, I learned recently from a BYU religion professor that Joseph, the son of Jacob, must have been gay because he wore a nice coat. Should I stop wearing a suit coat to church? I'm not gay, and I'd hate to send the wrong message. They did not get back to me. No, no response. Maybe you should ask your bishop. <clears throat> Maybe I will. But, I mean, humor is a way to kind of cut through the absurdity and to point out how stupid it is. And I don't know if any of that stuff I just repeated was funny or not, but I amused myself in, in, oh, I don't in, know. in, in <laughs> posting it. But there's a lot of people doing this, pointing out the absurdity of it. You know, we've, we've linked to the comedian uh, Tyler, remember his last name, the guy that does the Fauci? Fish? He does a much better... Was, he, uh, was it Fish or something? He does a much better Fauci than, than I do. Let me see if I can find him just so we can give him another little shout out. But uh, humor, but also just oh, Tyler, Fi- Tyler Fisher. Um, but also just pointing out the absurdity, just, just saying, saying the truth, right? Boys and girls are different. Men and women are different. And we've known for a bajillion years and across basically all species, male Males are bigger, faster, and stronger than their female counterparts. That's not a hateful thing to say. It's just a fact. It's a scientific, biological fact. 
It doesn't mean that women shouldn't compete in sports. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't strive to be great and do their best in everything they do. And it doesn't, but it also doesn't mean that men should go and beat up on women pretending to be women. Like that's, it's, the absurdity is off the charts. You can't quantify the level of absurdity that is being taken seriously. That's why one of the reasons that Cox, Governor Cox is such a clown, because he, he treats absurdities as if they're serious. He gets up and gives these sanctimonious speeches and things about this issue. I'm very concerned and compassionate. And it's like, no, you know what we should be doing is people, especially kids, this is being foisted upon kids. Okay, Dwayne Wade. It's a good way to describe it. Dwayne foisted. Dwayne Wade claims that his son knew when he was three years old that he was really a girl. And so they've raised that kid as a girl. And so now he's a teenager with all kinds of psychological problems, prancing around in high heels. The, a three-year-old doesn't know that he's a boy or a girl. He's three years old. Three-year-olds are always going to play with Barbie dolls and put on high heels and... Do all kinds of stuff. And do they also think they're unicorns and giraffes and princesses and space heroes. It's a really good point. Like, like they pretend. But it's being incessantly. They pretend, they pretend, they pretend. You can all probably remember a point where when you were a kid, you kind of stopped pretending. Right. You know? But but you also you grow into who you who you are. And they've stolen that from this kid. And, you know, I bring up Dwayne Wade because he's he's kind of inserted himself into the Utah political scene when he purchased a stake uh, minority share in the Utah Jazz. And so, and Spencer Cox loves to get his pictures taken with famous people. And so he has pictures with Dwayne Wade and, and at these trans and LGBTQ whatever uh, events and things. So he's sort of relevant. It's like the, the, the Utah Jazz and maybe even Dwayne Wade himself are, are directing policy decisions here in the state. And for them to make claims that, this, that there, are, there are people that these, this legislation puts at risk is disingenuous because we're talking about 99.9% of the girls who are playing sports in this state would benefit. It's protecting their, what they want to do. It's protecting their pursuits and, and, and avoiding just the abject absurdity of men pretending to be women and then dominating them in the pool, on the track, on the basketball court, wherever. And yet the clown Cox takes all of this seriously. And that's why you're a clown Cox. That's why nobody can take you seriously. Real people don't think that way. Right. And, 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 and I, think, I think that that just has to be, we, we real people have to just start shouting about this and stomping our feet if we need to and saying enough is enough. Okay, enough is enough. You had us all wearing masks. You have us all changing our av- avatars on social media. We're done with that. We're, we're done playing these mental mind games. We're done. We're going, to, we're going to root ourselves on solid ground and in truth and objectivity. And if you don't like that, that's fine. But we're not going to take you seriously anymore. And I think, I think Cox is really spending any political capital he might have thought he had. He's, he's revealed himself in, in basically a year of being governor as just being an, an absolute clown. 
I have no idea what he really truly believes. I just think he goes along with whatever he's told by the people he wants approval or funding. I mean, his actions are basically determined by an imaginary, maybe an imaginary social credit score. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if it's just all concocted in his mind. He sees what he thinks they want, what is expected of him on a national, progressive, you know, socially liberal progressive or socially statist, you know, the people that want to change the society. He sees what they want and he wants to be a part of it. And so he puts off that. It's exactly what he does. Yeah. But I, I mean, He's a true believer, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's not, I mean, Gary Herbert seemed like the type that was, you know, I'll, I'll do anything for a hamburger. Yeah, Gary Herbert just looked out for Gary Herbert. I don't think he, he never waded into the culture wars too much. And I think he, he probably did that out of political expediency, but also he, did, he didn't care. It's just, I think his whole, most, for the majority of his term, none of this was really up at the, Forefront, maybe that the same-sex marriage thing kind of blew up, but Utah got overrided anyway by the national, you know, legalization of that, and a whole bunch of states, right, including California. Yeah, <clears throat> but Her- Herbert just liked to declare states of emergency so he could get federal funds, and Cox seems a lot more interested in the social justice, the culture wars, and being on the, you know, being on the. The right side, what one, he determines is the right side, which is the side of insanity. Yeah, one one thing uh, Herbert was good at was cozying up to the big money, like the Chinese. Like there, there's been a lot of Chinese <laughs> investment in Western states, which is somewhat alarming when you really look at it. He he's he's been at the forefront of that. Yeah, you uh, mentioned that. I sent that. you an article where the North Dakota the people in North Dakota were somewhat alarmed at how cozy their governor had gotten. Yeah, there's a photo that you sent from that article. We'll link to the article, which was, which was linked on, po- reposted on Zero Hedge. <clears throat> I don't remember the original author's name, but there's a photo of the North Dakota governor at a governor's convention that the Chinese Chamber of Commerce or something equivalent was presenting. And there in the background is Gary Herbert in attendance of this. It, it, and I thought, why is the Chinese government meeting with the governors of the United States? And it also reminded me that recently, recently you've had ambassadors from different foreign countries coming to Utah and meeting with our state leadership, I think from Romania and also Ukraine. There was a Ukrainian diplomat here, and there's photos of Spencer Cox and Deidre Hedrickson, the lieutenant governor you know, draping everything in Ukrainian flag and like really going over the top. And the guy's here to talk about fundraising. And I'm like, why? I wrote this on the response on Twitter. I said, why is a guy from, why is a diplomat from Ukraine coming to Utah to beg for money? Like, shouldn't that be done at a, maybe a state department level? Or it's very, it's strange to me, and maybe I just don't have a. Maybe I'm just a rube who likes to play in the mountains and doesn't care, doesn't know anything about international politics. But it seems odd that during a war, especially during a wartime, that somebody from Ukraine would be here in Salt Lake City talking to Spencer Cox about money. 
Well, the feds are going to give them, what, a billion dollars? Well, today. Yeah, for now. I mean, let's remember that this whole war is funded and, and supplied by the United States. The weapons, every bullet, every gun, maybe not every, but most. I mean, we made fun of a headline a while back. I think it was PBS that said that the U.S. was sending lethal aid to Ukraine. <laughs> you mean weapons? But you're right about China, too. China has its fingers everywhere, and no one wants to point that out. No one, you know, in the media and things, because China owns the media. Well, yeah, they've, they've purchased a lot of, uh, a lot of America. We, we, yeah, it's weird. And, and they're changing movies. They change movies for the Chinese. They make, they make mm-hmm. propaganda films in Hollywood now. They've bought a lot of Hollywood. You know, we sent a lot of money over there. We shipped our manufacturing over there, and we, we sent a lot of money over there. So they've used the money to buy armies and navies and false priests who oppress and tyrants who destroy and reign with blood and horror on the earth and Hollywood studios and a lot of land in the Midwest and yeah, speaking of land, et cetera, et cetera. Bill, Bill Gates is a big landowner now. He's bought up a lot of farmland. And yeah. recently he was saying that rich countries need to uh, go to 100% synthetic beef. And let's remember that Bill Gates, you know, he's doing it out of love for the environment, right? So he's going to start producing soybeans or something? He's also a major backer of Beyond and Impossible, I think, but for sure Beyond. Mm. So just like his push for vaccines, which he had financial interests in, he's now pushing meat paste, meat-flavored paste, Ugh. which is ridiculous. And I come back to my now becoming my, man, my, uh, my mantra, eat meat, lift weights, learn to shoot. <laughs> Well, there was an interesting uh, article on Zero Hedge also from a guy named Gerald Salente, or there was an interview of Gerald Salente. Gerald Salente is a somewhat well-known trend forecaster in the libertarian community, and he, he was saying what we've kind of been saying, that uh, World War III is already upon us, and uh, his advice was... Uh, Essentially, to get tangibles, I think. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, you need guns, gold, and a getaway plan. Salente warns World World War Three has begun, and he he says, "I've been telling you all along uh, that when all else fails, they take you to war." And that kind of backs up what we we've, we've been talking about. They, yeah, they seem to be taking us to war. Now, it seems like it's kind of calming down, but I think this Russian thing will drag on for a long time. This could be kind of like the appeasement phase prior to World War II, where Hitler was appeased with Czechoslovakia and Austria, and then there, a year passes, and then bam, we're into Poland, and pretty soon it's blitz, yeah, blitz, think, Blitzkrieg through uh, we might see We might see little bits of Ukraine be annexed off to... Russia or something like that as a as that appeasement. I said on Twitter, did Hunter Biden start World War Three? Because you know the, these the laptops, the laptop emails reveal some pretty important things about uh, how he was he was helping broker deals with different energy companies and bio weapons labs. Okay, bio, you know, labs like the Wuhan lab. Yeah, that's interesting. There's like 37 of them, and they were they were widely denied 
Right. And Tulsi Gabbard, a former uh, congresswoman from Hawaii, said something about how it, she she published some information about supporting like evidence that it was true that they knew of it in Congress. Mitt Romney then came out and called her a traitor. Yeah, said she should be beheaded or something. I don't know what he said, but really soiled his reputation there. Uh, if it could be any more, can't, yeah, I can't oily, get much more dark soiled. But I mean, for people that actually you dig a little to, bit deeper than uh, the headlines, uh, uh, it, uh, nobody should be giving him the time of day. He looks like he's setting up for a presidential run. I don't think he's also, I don't think he's apologized to her after this has all been pretty well documented, acknowledged. Yeah, yeah we have bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine. So the point was that in the face of this last bioweapons outbreak, if you want to call it that, the COVID thing, the Russians have this on their doorstep and, and uh, the locations of those labs coincide with a lot of the attacks of the Russian troops. Right. So it's very possible Putin was securing that X factor, if you want to call I, I, it that. I think from what I can understand, again, this is all under the fog of war and kayfabe and who knows what else. It seems to me that Putin, Putin is targeting more strategic things to send a message to the U.S., basically saying, we know what you're doing in Ukraine and we don't like it. And Ukraine just happens to be the battlefield because let's remember, Ukraine is a place the United States and other nations and oligarchies and powers use for all kinds of nefarious, shady activity. I mean, that's pretty well documented too. Yeah, it, and the Hunter it's, Biden, it's a plaything for for NATO. The Hunter Biden emails and everything show that the that our side of the oligarchy or the the people that are, rule us, the the corrupt Clinton family, the the crime family over there, the Biden crime family, those guys, and this I'm sure includes Republicans. You know. It's equal opportunity, but they've the McCain guys, right? They've got we've got video of him and Lindsey Graham over there blowing smoke at the Asov uh, neo Nazi. Yeah, you guys are going to win. We're going to have a war here, yeah. and you're going to win. Yeah, you're going to win because um, we're going to back you with all these arms. Yeah. So our guys are neck deep in this and have been for a decade, and they so they've been using it kind of as a cookie jar. Millions and millions of dollars going in and out. Billions. Yeah, probably. And, and, and they're very uh, high-level people that are being enriched in the Biden laptop, all the documentation that came out of that that's now not fake news. It's interesting that, the New York Times, again, that's the, all proving it, it. It's not fake news, and, and yet we have to ask, why, who, and why now? Why now, New York Times? Well, uh, Salente says, you know, that we're headed for the for an economic calamity the likes of which we've never seen in our lifetime and they're getting our minds off of it with the war in Ukraine. That's what he says. And we've, yeah. we've talked about that. I think I agree with that and that's why I want to bring it up. I think the war in Ukraine is to help accelerate the economic crisis. It could be. It, it could be. But here's what he says and we've talked about this also. So this is interesting. I think it's maybe a good place to end and let, let people, or maybe not end, but something to ruminate on here. He says, I am saying to everyone listening. Now, he's an emphatic person. If Go watch him. He's kind of over the top on a lot of things. He's, he's very animated. So everything is hyperbolic. A, lo- a lot of his language is hyperbolic. It's kind of like watching Alex Jones. But they tend to be right in the long term about a lot of this stuff. He says, I am saying to everyone listening, we are at the crucial point where one day they are going to say a bomb, hacking or whatever, and to save your lives... 
And to save your money, we are closing down the banking system. That's a direct quote set in context, context, right? Okay, so I'm, but you can see how he would say this. Sounds a little bit like Donald Trump. A bomb, hacking, whatever. And to save your lives and save your money, we're closing down the banking system. (laughs) You won't be able to get your money out. And when you do, maybe they will devalue it. They did it before and they will do it again. This time it will be much worse. My plan centers around the three G's, guns, gold, and a getaway plan. (laughs) I mean, that... I, I, I'm sitting here asking myself, you know, I could probably put my money where my mouth is and act like I believe that and do and, and make some changes in my personal pre- preparatory situation. Uh, each one of you needs to ask yourself and ask God and, and use your discernment and decide, you know, what what do I need to do for me and my family? But because, you know, the book of Ezekiel, I think it is, says that they threw their silver in the streets and their gold could not deliver them. It's not necessarily like you're going to be able to preserve the status quo or whatever your expectations are. This, these are birth pains, like Condoleezza Rice famously stated. This is, this is the world changing, morphing dramatically, and what this baby looks like on the other side is a good question. It's a new world, it's a new world order, and by golly, we got to lead it. <laughs> so, so things are changing, and... Uh, I, you know, I, I believe now is the time to come to Christ, not a hashtag hear him, but a literally like you, your need to know the Lord, to know truth, to know wisdom, to know her also, to, to at least begin to hear the intimations upon your heart and your mind so that you can take certain action and not, not just take the action, but change your mind to, to because the physical things are fleeting. The tangible, you know, we need the tangibles. We need the tangibles to survive because our, our money <laughs> is even more fleeting. We need the preps, but even that is fleeting. It's your mind that is enduring. It's your, it's your mind that c- can, if, if appropri- appropriately informed and appropriately in tune, save you from, from walking off a cliff in the darkness and, and help you to move to the light. You know, that's the thing that needs to change. So where, where does your allegiance lie? Ask yourself who your credible sources are, because that's where your allegiance lies. If it's KSL News, okay, well, there, there's your God. Good luck to you. Where your, where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. Is that how that goes? Yes. Yeah, I guess we'll know we're getting close when, uh, when the, prepper movement is getting mainstream uh, pushback and demonization. When, when you see the headline that preppers are white supremacists, which we... Well, I think that's been going on. It has, <laughs> but maybe not like, maybe not in the main but mainstream. But a lot of the news has been that everybody's a prepper now, right? Ever since the, the stores yeah. emptied out last, uh, two years ago, everybody's a prepper. There was a case lot sell at the store the other day. We were there stocking up with a bunch of other people. We yeah, didn't get very many dirty looks. Of course, this is Utah. Yeah. And Utah used to be kind of a prepper central, the the, church the, the guiding kind of influence. <laughs> the, the church used to tell people very regularly, have supply of food on hand. Like have. a year supply was yeah. the focus Which when we were growing a lot, up. a lot of food and a year supply and other things. And they don't talk That's like that. changed in the last 10 or 15 years. They don't years. talk like that anymore. In fact, if anybody can help out, there was, I believe it was Elder Oaks in one of the recent conferences, maybe in the last three years, said, don't, don't overdo it. Don't get too prepared. 
that's not a direct quote, but that was the sentiment. And I'm tr- I've been trying to find that recently, and I haven't been able to find it. But I thought that Somebody was Somebody post that on the comments, please. Yeah, help us out. But, um, and it may mean- Dr. It, Nick, you probably know where that is. Hi, everybody. Pepe it, Le Pew, come it, on. It may not have been Oaks. I might be misremembering, but I remember that it stood Whitaker out to can me find that. thinking, wait a minute, that's not what we've been told for literally like the last 70 years. Right. There's a big shift. It's, it, it first went from a, a year's supply to have three months on hand, and then, and then you got the statement by Oaks, who's second in command, right? Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't go. Don't get too don't prepared. Get too prepared. I don't know that you can be too prepared. Well, I, you can't be prepared. That's the problem. That in, is the in problem. In the end, you realize, Lord, I get it. We need a savior. This There's, is the fallen world. This is not the world that persists. This is the fallen world, <coughs> and it will be destroyed, and we're going to face difficulty. Now, the big question is, in what form and how in our lifetimes does, does that play out? There's a scene in The Road. I, I've talked about The Road a few times. This is uh, Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen's in the movie. in the movie. It's a book bit by Cormac McCarthy, and I've read the book and then I watched the movie. There's a scene which I think is interesting. So I don't think there's any spoilers. It's not much to spoil in the movie, but it's a father and son, right? And it's the apocalypse, and it's the post post apocalyptic environment. You know, nukes and there's roaming gangs that will, uh, you know, they kind of plunder and kill anybody and there's cannibalism and there's rumors of you know a good place to go on the coast so they're heading towards the coast and they're following this old freeway or highway this old broken road and along the way they kind of scavenge for goods and whatever they can find and along the way they find kind of accidentally find a bunker that someone had in their backyard and they they descend down into it and there's canned just shelves and shelves of canned foods and soda and all this stuff and it's a really you know it's a great boon to find this and i was as i was watching that i'm thinking you know and they're they're eating and having a real feast and the kid is experiencing some of these things for the first time like mm. the first time he's ever had you know beef stroganoff or whatever they're really? eating and um as i was watching it i thought what about the people who stocked all of this up? Like, what happened to them, and why didn't this help them at all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this ended up being no benefit at all. They're, they ended up dead just like everyone else, or flit or fled. You know, they either it's never explained. But mm-hmm. I, so I, I say that because you say you can't fully be prepared. I think you're right. I mean, we don't know what's coming. It might just be this kind of slow descent into where, you know, they don't shut everything down like like the guy says, but maybe over time, everything, like the same effect happens, right? Like your money's, I still think we're going to digital money that's going to be just doled out to us and, and based on social credit scores and- uh, And you own nothing. And, and yeah, you'll own nothing. Who owns all that stuff? That the government takes <clears throat> everything? I mean- well, these digital currencies are being implemented by governments, but also um, you have like banks, central banks are, they're called central bank digital currencies. So the banks would be the, the, the de facto rulers of the world because, I mean, they kind of already are, but they would, they would determine all of this probably in conjunction with, with governments. Say, well, t- the rations to this month need to be 300 GovCoins rather than 350 because uh, 
you know, shortages and cheese, cheese and butter are in high demand because we killed all the cows. You know, it's like, who knows, right? There's, there, there's an article, I think, on Zero Hedge recently about that and all the different, you know, let your mind run wild about the scenarios, right? If, if, you, uh, if you wanted to go to the store and buy ice cream, you, you, you maybe you're allotted one pint of ice cream a month. And if you try to go buy a second pint or a pint and a half, which wouldn't even exist, right? Mm-hmm. Then you, you wouldn't be allowed to do that. Your, your money just wouldn't work. You you already had your two cigarettes per, for this week. Okay, you can't have a third. There's a lot of electronic um, database type of technology that needs to come online for that to happen. Not where, not really though. Well, at the, the they're going to have to retrofit all the checkout counters relative to your ration card or your yeah yeah. Your I mean, it wouldn't happen overnight. But no, the, but the it, infrastructure's it, there. It's close. I don't think the infrastructure's there. That's I mean, what I'm saying. It's cl- it's close, but it's not quite there. I think it's closer than we think. I that mean, is I, that is a fair point. They could use closer than maybe I, not closer than I, you think. Maybe closer than a lot of people think. Well, I, I mean, imagine so our phones have the location tracking, right? Even if you turn it off, it's still there. Mm-hmm. You could go to the grocery store and cross uh, a little threshold out, you know, 30 feet from the parking lot or whatever, and it would ping and say, no, you're, you're not allowed in. And they could just bar you from scanning the code to open the doors to go in. They could do all kinds of stuff. Right. As long as you don't need your phone, that's not a problem. Right. Because but you just leave your phone, but now they want to put the currency on the phone. But you're not, yeah, you're not going to be able to go in there and pay, pay with cash money. Yeah, I, th- I think it's starting, like I was in Costco the other day and they said, pay with your phone. You know, there's these big banners up, pay with your phone, Can, right. get the app, get the app. They want you to get the app. And then it says, it tracks your receipts. It does this, it does that. It also uh, yeah, tracks your receipts. Kath- Catherine Fitz. What is, are your receipts? Yeah. Catherine Fitz is uh, a record of. They're a record of what you buy. Right. Catherine Fitz's uh, suggestion that we do Cash Fridays is a good suggestion. We need to keep cash in circulation by using it. There's been a big push lately. They tried to to make it, kind of couch it under the the guise of spreading coronavirus. Right. There was an attempt to get rid of it. Contactless payment. Contactless delivery. It's like the big big industry industries in entertainment and travel like the airlines and the and the sports teams are all now trying to move to digital only models which is sort of disconcerting because it's the people who it's like the the upper class that somehow is leading this charge it's it's luxury surveillance luxury tyranny you Mm -hmm. you're buying into it those those are the people that are pushing it and they're spending the money and they're they're building their own prison by giving these, becoming the beta testers for those programs and giving them the money to continue to develop them. Because that's, that's why I say the infrastructure isn't quite there. The government isn't going <laughs> to, the people <laughs> that created the DMV, <laughs> they're not the ones that are going to put this in place. It's private industry that's right. doing that's it. That's why, again, the, bank, the banks are doing this. Well, not just the banks, but they're getting you to do it. Right. You build it. But the, I think the banks are going to be the owners of it. So you might, maybe you bank with, um, I don't know, Morgan Stanley or Chase or something. Maybe you, instead of a GovCoin, maybe it's a Chase coin or Zion Bank coin or whatever. Well, I think they want to, I think they want a Federal Reserve coin. I think so. I think there's going to be one or two, or maybe each nation has its own. But the, the idea here is, is uh, in this, we need to link to the article on Zero Hedge. The idea here is, 
is the, the people, the, the proponents of this are saying things like, oh man, I just think we wouldn't have any exchange rates. It would make international payments easier. Well, they're talking make, about a global currency there. Yeah, but I think that's maybe the end goal with all of this. And maybe that takes a couple generations of first you have the digital dollar and then you have your, your bank coin and, and then you have you know, a national, national currency. And then, you know what I mean? It could maybe go through some iterations where the end result is you have one coin, one digital currency for the entire planet. And who, I don't know who would control it other than the banks. I think the banks are going to control all of this. Maybe there's one central bank to rule them all. The federal, the international federal institution of reserve coin digital banking. It's called the Bank of International Settlements. We could also have the IMF. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, I'm just looking for that article. I I thought we posted that, but uh, we'll find it and post it. Yeah, the, the central bank uh, digital currency, the CBDC idea. Uh, what, what was the title of it? It was something like, the future is here and it's not what you think or... Something like that, yeah. And I, th- I think it's a story that we should be talking a lot more about. We as in, you know, Well, that's why, society, we're, being, that's why we're being carpet bombed. The, the carpet bombing is to evoke that end. Just like Salente says, when all else fails, they take you to war. They're taking you to war to distract you. They're, they're focusing you on, um, and, and it's not necessarily like it's all puppeteered. It, this is all, a lot of it's blowback. A lot of it's organic, right? But the transgender thing, the incendiary buffooneries of race and gender, and then the pedophile thing and the war in Ukraine, all this is to distract you from what's happening economically. And I think we laid that out pretty well. Was it last week um, when we were talking about the economy? Yeah. I think, I think so. so. Well, maybe it's time to end for today. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to find that article before we, we bail. Zero they had hedge. a good title. Zero Hedge posts so many that an article can be three hours old and it's like four pages back on them on their page. But I think we'll it was uh, this one. Unbeknownst to most, a financial revolution is coming that threatens to change everything and it's not for the better. This was uh, Nick Corbishley via nakedcapitalism.com. I'm also that, thinking, I think there, there maybe was a... I think that's the one I was thinking of. that the about. one you're thinking of? That's the one where he quotes some of these supporters at, at length, right? The guy's trying to make the case for this. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure I've read this one. We'll find, it. We'll find you a good article. You can read it as supplementary reading. Anyway, I'm trying to think of what the title of today's podcast is. Is it Incendiary Buffooneries? Or should we just call it Woman? <laughs> woman and have a beautiful woman as the picture. What do you, give, give me some input here. Hard-hearted habinger of haggis. Woman. Whoa, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I married an axe murderer, Mike Myers. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Women, uh, every, women everywhere should be up in arms over this transgender A lot thing. of them are. A lot of them are. And they're being, they're being uh, you know, they're being told that they're, you know, don't know what their best interests I mean, are. And you do not want that uh, Levine dude 
in health and human services on your gender side. That that is, I mean, that's just offensive. You mean w- USA Today Woman of the Year, Richard Levine? Babylon B. Man of the Year. That man, that is offensive, <laughs> offensive to all but, of women by the way, everywhere. Babylon B. is still suspended on Twitter for calling him the man of the year. Oh, of course. They're done on Twitter. They're, on principle, they're going to stop. Stop. Friends don't let friends do social media. Just say no. These are things you need to start saying to people. Just say no to them. Say, no, I disagree. Think of those words. No, I disagree. When it comes up... Or, or, or the stronger, maybe more uh, assertive version is, no, that's bleepity bleep crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Bat blank. Yeah. Bat guano crazy. Yeah. Okay, friends. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I assume if you're still here hearing these words and you listened. We do enjoy your comments. Please uh, let us know how you're feeling. Find us at myenvirus.show, and we will be back again next week. <laughs>